Hi, it's Jeff, host of the podcast. My latest author interview will be up in just one moment. I'm not going to ask you to buy anything. I'm not going to ask you to go and review the podcast. What I am going to do is take just one brief moment and ask you to recommend the podcast to just one friend. If you're a writer or if you're someone who just loves books and you love this podcast and the interviews that I do, all that I ask is that you recommend the podcast to just one friend. Thanks a lot. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Scott Drakeford, author of the debut novel, Rise of the Mages. Brian Lee Durfee, author of The Forgetting Moon, wrote about Rise of the Mages. This is old school and new school epic fantasy rolled into one. Drakeford has built a superbly crafted world infused with a myriad of well-rounded characters and plenty of action, magic, and mystery. Rise of the Mages is a fast-paced adventure that will satisfy any fantasy fan, young or old. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your debut novel, Rise of the Mages, how would you describe the novel? I'm sure there are plenty of people who haven't heard of it. <laughs> uh, the debut life, especially in fantasy fiction, is an interesting one, and it's it's easy to uh, uh, fly under the radar, I suppose. Um, but Rise of the Mages is my uh, ode to both fantasy and, um, I guess I would call it uh, thrillers or, or maybe military um, adventure. Um, so I, I grew up reading, you know, the wheel of time, um, David Eddings, a whole bunch of classical fantasy that I, I really fell in love with, but I also have read and enjoyed a bunch of thrillers and in particular, um, Bernard Cornwell's, um, the last kingdom series and his Richard Sharp series. Uh, just awesome military fiction, and I I really wanted to see something in the the fantasy fiction world with that kind of pacing and action adventure. And while a lot of fantasy focuses on action adventure, I hadn't seen anything that quite fit that structural mold. Um, so that's that's what I wrote Rise of the Mages to be. That's great, and. Do you uh, do you remember? I mean, you talked about this a little bit. Do you? But do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Rise of the Mages? Yeah, there was a whole bunch. You, you know, this this was an effort of almost ten years. So there are a whole lot of uh, different catalysts that went into writing Rise of the Mages. But the first thing that really got me to start writing and where the the particular story itself took shape was when one of my little brothers, I'm the oldest um, of four, so I, I have three little brothers. Uh, one was joining the military um, and <laughs> it was right when, you know, ISIS was becoming a big deal and they were capturing and, and executing people. And it sounds silly now, especially since my, my brother uh, was drummed out of the, the military for a, a medical issue in basic. Um, but for those, I, I don't really know how many months he was, he was there. 
you know, my anxiety kicked into overdrive and, uh, sounds silly now saying it out loud, but you know, I, I had all of these awful daydreams about him being captured and what I would do as a, you know, an older brother <laughs> to, to help, uh, and whether there was anything I could do. And to be clear, I am in no way, uh, shape or form fit for any sort of military action, but this was, <laughs> Uh, you know, the start of, of this story about two brothers, uh, one who's captured by a malevolent force, um, and the other brother who, in the case of my, my characters is very well equipped, uh, to launch a, a you know, a rescue attempt, a, a military rescue attempt. You still there? Yep. I'm here. Okay. Um, so I'm curious, uh, so, so, uh, what was this your, I mean, we said this your debut novel. Was this the first novel that you wrote? I mean, some people write, you know, quote unquote, trunk novels. What, what was your writing journey to get this to, um, publication? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a really good question. And I think writing those trunk novels is probably the smarter idea, um, you know, to get some writing under your belt and to learn to get get a book and a, a story out and move on and and move to the next one. I, however, didn't do any of that. Uh, this <laughs> <laughs> this is truly the first book um, I ever wrote. I I just sat down and started writing uh, in 2012 and wrote until it was done, and then went back and did. I mean, just dozens of rewrites and ed edits on my own. Um, and then in 2015, I signed with an agent, um, Matt Bialer, who represents a lot of uh, my favorite authors. So Pat Rothfuss, Brian Lee Turfey, who you uh, read a quote from, Tad Williams. Um, and I did more edits and, and revisions. And when I say edits and revisions, this isn't like just read through and tweak a few things here and there. Right. I mean, like, I, I rewrote probably the middle 60% of this twice. Um, I, I changed and added a whole bunch of different scenes. I'd say every sentence in this book has been changed several times. So, yeah, it, it was, uh, I, I took the opposite path and it just kind of fits my obsessive personality. And I, I had, a, you know, very personal attachment to this story. And I, I just couldn't let go. And so I kept writing it and rewriting it until it was good enough to publish. And I'm curious, how did you initially discover the fantasy fantasy genre and who were those early writers that you enjoyed? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I discovered the fantasy genre very early um, through my dad. So uh, I actually don't know why my dad is into fantasy fiction, but he had a ton of books at home. and. You know, 80% of them were fantasy fiction. Uh, the first book I ever read in the fantasy genre, actually, I think it was The Hobbit. Um, but I didn't, I didn't love The Hobbit and I almost gave up on reading. Uh, but my dad convinced me to read The Pawn of Prophecy by David Eddings. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that, so that series became my life for a little while. And then I moved on to, um, I think I read, Terry Goodkind and then The Wheel of Time. And so I, I read The Wheel of Time when it was 
I don't know, half finished. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, when, when people complain about one or two books here and there not being finished, uh, you know, from their favorite authors, I, I, <laughs> I don't have much sympathy because I remember waiting years in between, you know, many, many books from Robert Jordan. Um, but I read and reread that series. Um, Ellie Modisett, uh, was a big one. Love his stuff. Uh, JV Jones is, is fantastic. Uh, I, I could go on and on, but, um, yeah, it, it was really because my dad loved fantasy fiction and got me into reading that genre. And I, I just have stuck with it ever since, even as my, uh, interests have broadened. Sure. Well, you've talked about this a little bit, but what was your writing process when you were working on Rise of the Mages? You talked about when you sat down to, to, uh, write that first draft. Did, did you outline the book before you started writing or did you just jump into the narrative? <laughs> That's a good question. And, and I think that a lot of people in the writing world want to categorize people, whether it's others or themselves as pantsers or plotters, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I fall a little bit, uh, in the middle. Um, so to start, I really just started writing. Um, I got the first 10,000 or so words out and it really was just a, well, I, I had just graduated college with a uh, mechanical engineering degree and uh, realized after a few years of being a mechanical engineer that I in no way, shape or form wanted to be an engineer <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I was looking for, for something to jump to. And this was before I, I realized how hard it is to make a living in uh, the publishing world. But yeah, my, I mean, my writing process, I, I sat down and, and just got the, the, uh, I guess the, the seed for the story out in the first few weeks, months that I started writing this. But then I, you know, had to kind of figure out my craft from scratch because I had literally never written anything before I started writing this, uh, in 2012. So then I started a series of outlines and then going back to drafting and then outlining and then drafting um, to the point where now, and, and I've written book two and, and have at least started several other books. Um, now I'm a, uh, I typically outline somewhat carefully to make sure I have good structure and good um, you know, character arcs, that kind of thing, really the basics in place. Uh, but then as I'm drafting, I, I typically, uh, go any which way I please and have to revise my outline as I'm drafting. Um, so I, I'm kind of in between and it's, it's a little bit painful at times, but, uh, it works for me. Sure. And you talked about, um, you basically had to learn your craft from scratch. What did that look like for you? Um, that's a really good question. Um, so at first it was really just instinctual writing, right? Like I, I grew up reading a ton and like a whole lot of other people, uh, that undoubtedly listen to your, your podcast. I, you know, writing, or I'm sorry, reading was my life. So at first it really was just kind of writing this anxious daydream scenario of mine where, uh, you know, a character's brother is, is captured and he has to figure out what to do about that. Um, and on a, on a story structure level, on a sentence level, on, you know, many different levels, I just went instinctually and it, it was okay. 
Um, I actually sent the first chunk of my story into the Writers of the Future contest uh, and was very quickly rejected uh, from that. Uh, and, you know, I, I asked my poor wife to, to read the first things I wrote and had a few close friends um, that I had read it. And they were like, yeah, this is okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so I really, I really did start from scratch. So, I mean, I used things like the writing excuses podcast that I'm sure you're very familiar with. Sure. Um, I, I bought any and every book I could, uh, find on structure on other writers processes. Uh, so, you know, like Stephen King's on writing, um, I, I, I bought every, you know, every manual and guide I could on, uh, sentence level and grammar and, and things like that. So, uh, uh the Chicago manual of style, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the other one, uh, sure. white, you be strunk and white. Is that the, <laughs> is that yeah. the name of it? Anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just kind of undertook a, a broad course of self-study. I looked at other uh, books that I had really enjoyed and went back and reread them and took notes on why I liked it. I did the same thing with um, TV shows. So uh, just took a, a notebook and as I'm watching, you know, Peaky Blinders or uh, Breaking Bad or another story that I just really loved uh, with morally uh, gray characters and and a very interesting plot um, with driven ambitious people um, you know I, I just noted down okay what how do they how do they hook the reader right what are they using to get me interested in the characters what are they using to build the plot to build the world um, and I I went back and applied every single little bit of that I could to make as balanced of a story as I could you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. That's great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Oh, my God. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a reason that, you know, most uh, people who are giving advice are, are at a certain point in their careers. And that's because it's really hard when you're in the thick of being and becoming a creator to know even when something works to know why it works right and, and um you know i i could give a, a a few bits of advice but they'd probably seem pretty basic but i i think the biggest one and the biggest differentiator between those that find whatever level of success and those that don't is creating a way to solicit honest feedback and being very willing to analyze that feedback, right? Um, so you're going to get a lot of bad feedback with the good, but un learning to understand even just the people that you have involved with beta reading or whatever it might be and understand the trends of what they're saying and why they're saying it. So for me, uh, a, a couple of the things that helped as I was I was moving along was one of my agent's assistants, um, and I think this was in like 2016, did a read for me and said, this is good. This has a lot of good, you know, world building, action, characters, whatever. But I want to see tighter writing just to improve the pace, uh, you know, of, of somebody moving through the story because. I purposefully chose a very fast-paced story, uh, but my sentence level uh, structure and, and wording choices didn't live up to that. And so my agent and his assistant, who is actually now a New York Times bestselling author herself, um, Christine Lynn Herman, she's fantastic. They, they said, okay, Scott, if you really want this to be awesome, not just good, not just great, but awesome. I want you to go through and cut like 30% out of the entire book. And this wasn't cut like scenes. This wasn't cut paragraphs. This was go through and basically rewrite the entire book, but with 30% fewer words. Um, and that, that was rough and was a lot of work, but was probably where I learned the most about efficient prose and what that does to and i'm just curious i mean that that uh that sounds like a uh an intensive process i'm curious is there a, is there an example that you could give us i mean i know it's hard um in audio to talk about you know sentence level structure but yeah. are are you talking about you know verb choice or are you talking about um uh sentence variety can you give us a sense of that yeah and, and it is a it is kind of a hard question to to answer and pull up an example, but I'll try. So and the reason it was so hard to do and the reason it was such hard feedback to get is that it wasn't really like, hey, cut a sentence here and there. 
uh, because you you have sentences that are are not doing anything. It was really, you know, choose your words to to express the same things, but in fewer as fewer words, uh, you know, the the smallest amount of words possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that meant, you know, that that was sometimes uh, cutting a sentence here and there. That was sometimes cutting a paragraph here and there. But for the most part, what was the most valuable for me? was going through and finding better phrasing. Um, so I'd, I'd find a, for example, a 30 word sentence. And if I could get the same idea or the same action or the same description across in two, uh, 10 word sentences, I would do it right. Um, or, or vice versa. If I had you know, two 20 word sentences and I could replace those with one 30 word sentence. Um, and if it fit the flow of, of the scene that I was writing, I would do it. Um, and any deeper than that, and I'd probably have to do a workshop and I could probably, (laughs) I could probably go back to my own writing and say, okay, see, here's, (laughs) you know, in the book I'm writing right now and say, okay, here's a, a a paragraph that's just too long and I'm going to cut it and show it as I do it. Uh, but hopefully that makes enough sense to. Yeah, it to does. Help. It does. And I'm just curious uh, for you, um, just the very nuts and bolts. How did you uh, manage that? Did you keep like a master draft? And then like, you know, when you started this intensive rewrite, did you start a new um, copy? Um, and I- I'm just. Does that make sense of how what I'm asking? Yeah, I'm I'm trying not to giggle too quietly as you're asking or too loudly as you're as you're asking that. Um, because honestly, that kind of a an enormous uh source of stress for me. And in the early days I drafted in Word and it was just an absolute nightmare. Um so I every time I cut like large sections, I just throw it into a, a new Word document and store it somewhere and i've probably lost almost all of those um and i would just save version after version after version i'm 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 sure i have literally hundreds of different versions of rise of the mages uh on various computers because i you know over 10 years i've moved through a few different machines now however i have found great utility in scrivener i'm sure you've heard of Mm -hmm. scrivener um, I really, really like the ability to, you know, see everything I'm writing in that little left-hand bar and write scene by scene. And that way I can, you know, cut things apart and move them around. And I have right there in that same software, I have a, uh, you know, I call it a trash pile or a junk pile where I throw my cut scenes. And a lot of times that's helpful because I'll, I'll go back and I'll want to either reuse an entire scene or parts of a scene or at the very least the idea, um, from those scenes. So yeah, I'm that I'm not the one to ask about organization and keeping track of stuff other than, uh, Scrivener or something like it. I know there are other, uh, options out there, but Scrivener for me has been a, a huge help. Gotcha. And, um, I'm curious given that, if I'm not, <laughs> excuse me, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first book in a trilogy. That's correct. Yep. Um, so I'm curious in terms of uh, plotting and organization, did you tightly plot the second two books um, given that, you know, 
this book is going to be out and you can't go back and like, oh, I, I need to set this up. <laughs> That's actually a, a really good question. You're going to get more than you bargained for with this answer. So um, when I sold the book to Tor, well, I guess my agent, Matt Bialer, sold it to Tor in 2017. Uh, they wanted to release all three at once. And so that's that's part of why it took so long um, between signing a deal in 2017 and the book finally coming out in 20, uh, 2022. Um, the problem was I had just had a daughter in 2015 and I was, uh, you know, in the interim between getting an agent and uh, getting that deal with Tor, I had taken on a lot of additional responsibility at my corporate job. Um, and so uh, I, uh, it was the deal I had though. So I took it and said, yeah, I guess I'll, you know, I'll try to finish off the trilogy uh, and, and we can wait until it's done or at least closer to, to being done uh, to release book one. And so I really did have a lot of time while I was drafting book two and I'm, I'm, I'm in later revisions of book two right now, by the way. Um, but while I was drafting book two, I really did have a lot of leeway to go back to book one and say, okay, I'm going to change this or, you know, insert this thing to have a little bit better foreshadowing or make this part that I want now in book two to make sense. Um, which was both a, a, a good and a bad thing, right? It's good be, because I think it'll make the, the series stronger, but very bad because I was never done, right? Right. Um, and I, I always had that leeway to go back and say, oh, you know, I, ca I can just tweak this and change this, which led to many, many more edits um, on book one. Um, but to, I think, answer more fully your the intent of your question, I had... Book one plotted as, you know, a, a semi-closed story. So I think book one works fairly well on its own while still setting up the rest of the series. I had a really good idea of where I wanted to go with book two, and I had a pretty good plot, uh, you know, a pretty good outline for what was going to happen in book two. Um, but I only had pretty bare bones ideas of what I wanted to happen in book three, which is a better situation for me because I, I change so much about my outline as I draft anyway, um, that any more than that would have been, uh, useless, but I do know the end. Uh, I know more or less how I'm going to get there in book three, but as always, it'll change as I draft. Sure. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Hmm. Uh, there are a lot. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm pretty, uh, quote unquote basic <laughs> when it comes to, uh, a lot of the stuff I enjoy. One of the last that I really loved was project hair, hail Mary by, uh, Andy Weir. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the reason I liked it, I, I know a lot of people like it. Um, but the reason I liked it so much was because I had, uh, previously not been a very big fan of, um, flashbacks, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, I'll, I'll try to spoil the least amount possible. Um, but as anybody who's read project Hail Mary, uh, can attest, uh, Weir uses flashbacks really, really well. And, it, and, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a, a, a gimmicky amnesia, uh, set up, right. Um, but 
that's another thing I've learned over time is that originality is nice to talk about, but honestly, the stories that end up working for me and it seems like for the majority of of the reading public uh, often have some uh, large portion of whatever you want to call it, tropes, uh, gimmicks, uh, you know, just a familiar story hidden within uh, a, a new wrapper, as it were. Um, so that's a big one. But I've also read uh, recently some books by uh, friends who are either debuting soon or or have debuted recently. Um, I'm reading a book called Flames of Mira by Clay Harmon out in July, I believe, from Rebellion. Um, and it's awesome. Um, so he has the same agent as Brandon Sanderson. And I can see why, uh, because he's he's just awesome about world building and building a uh, a very new, uh, fresh world to to build a story in. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Very good question. So I'm on Twitter too often at the Drakeford. Um, I also have a website. It's a pretty shitty website, but it's a website at uh, scottdrakeford.com. Um, I'll, I'll revamp it in the, in the future, maybe, probably. Um, but at, at the very least, you can find my book there. You can find some of my old blog posts, uh, a little bio, and uh, you can send me an email if you've, got, uh, if you've got questions about me or my book. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Scott Drakeford, author of the debut novel, Rise of the Mages. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Scott, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much, Jeff. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.